Welcome back to Red Cedar Radar. A little bit later this week, but, you know, things happen. I have my very good friend and colleague, Ryan, on today to talk all things uh, recruiting, kind of is his um, focus these days, but we're going to go into some other topics as well and kind of chat about some different um, topics that are kind of in the forefront of everyone's mind with everything that's been going on with the football team and kind of some recent news across uh, college basketball as well. How are you today, Ryan? I'm doing well. Made it to the end of the week. Right, which is most important. (laughs) So tell me a little bit more about what you do for Spartans Illustrated. I know you've been on the pod before, and you've explained it before, but kind of give me a quick rundown again, just if people don't know. Yeah. Better question to ask might be what don't I do? <laughs> and just, um, you know, I run, I kind of run the day day to day of the site. Uh, you know, obviously David Harnes is our publisher, and he trusts me to kind of, um, you know, edit all the articles, publish all the articles, format them. Um, you know, kind of how we have them showing up on the homepage. All you know, just day to day site administration. Um, you know, I'm also the lead writer, whether that be for recruiting team stuff. Um, you know, basketball, football, other sports, um, breaking news, things like that. Or, you know, if I can't write it, I'm responsible most of the time for getting it coordinated for somebody else to do it. Um, You know, recruiting is a huge thing now with reaching out to kids, um, talking to people, getting, you know, trying to to follow all of these different recruits that, you know, MSU is offering 400 plus kids a year. So it gets tough to... Mm -hmm keep up with everything, um, especially with everything else I have going on. But, you know, it's exactly where I want to be and what I want to be doing. And, you know, I'm very thankful for David for giving me this opportunity and, um, you know, love working with you, love working with the team. Um, So it's very busy. There's always something going on. There's a lot more travel for me nowadays than, um, you know, there used to be with different Mm -hmm. camps and events and games and things like that. Uh, But it's all great experiences and, you know, something that I really cherish. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Spartans Illustrated, the start of everything um, and kind of where we are now wouldn't be where it is without your dedication to wanting the site to be its best. And I feel like that should be acknowledged. So just putting that that. out there. Yeah. So one of the things. Detail sometimes, but. Well, no, I appreciate it. Even if in the moment I roll my eyes. But we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Just kidding. So uh, we, I haven't talked a lot about Spartans Illustrated on the pod because we've kind of had some different guests that aren't always so much affiliated um, with the site. Talk to me or talk to the listeners a little bit more about all the different things that we cover on Spartans Illustrated, just to give like a quick rundown of th- of a list of things. So obviously, you know, being a part of the Rivals Network being a a Rivals affiliate. Our big thing is recruiting and, you know, keeping up with all things Michigan State recruiting, whether that be talking to kids after they get offers, um, you know, after visits, keeping track of who's visiting unofficially and officially, you know, who's committing, getting to talk to these kids, getting quotes from them, getting their insights on why they like Michigan State, what stands out to them, uh, and, you know, just kind of promoting uh, you know, Michigan State recruiting and everything that's going on there and, and how that process is. And then, you know, obviously we cover all of the team stuff. Football is obviously 
the biggest thing uh, and, and um, you know, men's basketball, but, but that's not all we cover. Like, obviously those are going to take up the majority of uh, news and articles and stuff is football and basketball and recruiting, but what our site does really well. And I think, you know, probably the most comprehensive Michigan state coverage out there is that we're also covering women's golf, gymnastics, women's basketball, hockey, um, you know, pretty much, you know, baseball, we, we do every week too. And uh, pretty much every Michigan state sport that we um, are able to find the time to, you know, cover, whether that be in a full article or even just um, in our, you know, in our forum, sharing threads or sharing different Michigan state press releases or anything, you know, even if it's like wrestling, track and field, softball, whatever, um, that is covered to some degree on our site um, when we're able to, to do that. And I think that's important because obviously, you know, football, basketball, those are the athletes who get a lot of the attention, but all of these other sports, you know, the non-rev sports and things like that, these student athletes work just as hard. Um, and, you know, they, they go through the same struggles and the, the same triumphs. And, you know, really what our goal is here is to tell the, the stories of Michigan State student athletes and recruits. And I think that's what we do a really good job of. I would agree. I would say, I mean, our coverage of those big sports, football, basketball, is fantastic. But something I like the best about our site is that we cover everything else also, or at least start a conversation on the forums about everything else. So you, I think you summed that up perfectly. And I think if you listen to the Red Cedar Radar podcast and you haven't taken a look into subscribing um, to Spartans Illustrated, I would definitely recommend it. And I'm not biased. I really do think that um, <laughs> the coverage that we do comprehensively is really some of the best. So Absolutely. And, you know, on top of all that, we're also at all the press conferences for, you know, Tom Izzo, Mel Tucker, the different various mm -hmm. assistant coaches, players, et cetera. So we're getting all of those quotes and written down and, um, you know, keeping up with it on social media or on the website or whatever. So, you know, follow yeah, us and subscribe to us for all of that coverage. Yeah. Down below, I have linked all of our social media um, in the description of the episode. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, you know, all those places, check it out in the description below. Okay, Ryan, let's switch gears here. I want to talk basketball news. Um, we know, and I've discussed on the pod before, Hogard and Aikens in the NBA draft. What were your initial opinions about kind of those two decisions before I ask more in-depth questions? You know, based on the way it went down, um, there was chatter, right, with, with uh, Aikens that he was likely going to to enter the process, get NBA feedback, and, and see how it goes. So that wasn't surprising to me at all to see him enter his name. Um, it, I've always felt more of a vibe of that's what he was doing was to go in and get uh, feedback, talk to people, and, you know, time as well, talk to people for him too, and just kind of see where he stands on NBA draft boards. Um, so he didn't end up getting an NBA combine invite, and neither did A.J. Hogard. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's automatically coming back to Michigan State, but, um, you know, it, it just kind of shows that likely, you know, that that's exactly what he was after is just seeing where he stood and if he doesn't like where he stood, you know, he's likely to come back to Michigan State. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what he's thinking right now, uh, if he's going to come back or what. But, um, you know, I think once, uh, you know, he didn't get the G League combine 
uh, combine invite and he didn't get the NBA one. Uh, I think, you know, he, maybe he got feedback on what he needs to improve upon. And really that'd be a win-win for Michigan state if he were to return, because he's going to be extra motivated to work his way onto the draft boards next season. Um, and he's going to, you know, give us all to Michigan state to try to improve in those areas and, and show that he's, um, you know, able to take that feedback and stride work, work on it and take that kind of next step up in his game. So, you know, and again, just because he didn't get the combine invite doesn't mean that he's automatically come back to college. You know, he could be talking to other people and even if he doesn't get drafted, you know, maybe he would be open to being an undrafted free agent, something like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I always would, I always felt that um, that was more of his goal was just to get feedback from the NBA and, you know, with AJ Hogard, his was a lot more surprising. Um, you know, he didn't pu- publicly announce it until after the fact, after, you know, the NBA's early entrant draft list came out and his name was on there. And, you know, people were surprised by that. Uh, a lot of people did not see that coming. And, you know, I think he's kind of in the same boat where, you know, I want to go enter this process, um, you know, dip my toe in the water, see what NBA scouts, coaches, GMs, um, you know, people connected to the league think about me and my game, um, you know, take that feedback, come back to East Lansing maybe, and and work on improving that. And, you know, again, who knows what he's actually thinking? Who knows if he's actually going to return? Um, but, yeah, you know, with, with both of those guys, it always – felt like at least the door was open for them to return. And, um, you know, and if they both return, that Michigan State team next year, 23-24, is going to be absolutely loaded. And um, expectations are going to be sky high. So we'll see what they end up doing. Um, and like I said, I always looked at it as kind of a win-win for Michigan State because and for the players themselves because from MSU side of things, you're either getting, uh, you know, another player in the NBA or they're getting all this feedback, like I said, and they're able to use that to their advantage for your team at the college level next year. And then, you know, for the players themselves, they're either NBA players or they know exactly what they need to improve on. So for me, I think it always makes sense for players of their caliber to go and test the process at least and see what, you know, that they're, see what kind of feedback they get and then take that and get better. Yeah, I would agree. And something that we, I think maybe it was Paul uh, last week, um, touched on how the team is bringing in some young guys that are bringing in a lot of hype, but they are young guys still. And so having these guys going and getting feedback from that next level is kind of something that they can bring back and then use when they're bringing in those new guys to the team and kind of build off of those suggestions, which not that Izzo needs help with his coaching, but I don't think that that's a negative. I think that's a, uh, I think it's a net positive as far as next season with the hype around it as well. Yeah. Senior AJ Hogard running the team as a point guard is going to be huge for the Spartans if he returns because he has all that experience and he's going to be able to, to teach a guy like Jeremy Fears Jr., um, you know, he's he's been through this already. This is the process. This is how you have to work. This is what you do it. And, I, you know, obviously there's been talk about how AJ hasn't always bought in. And, you know, that was a big thing with Izzo is, is trying to get him to do certain things in, in a certain way. And they 
you know, and as I was mentioned, they butt heads about that a lot. But at the end of the day, I think Hogarth, Hogarth is really willing to do that kind of stuff. I think maybe he gets, you know, um, you know, that video came out where he looked uninterested on the bench talking to Izzo and stuff. But, you know, I've talked to Hogarth a lot in the locker room and things like that. And I really don't actually get that vibe from him. I think he does want to do what's best for the team and Izzo and stuff. I just think sometimes they have a little different opinions on certain things. Um, but I really think that, you know, uh, he kind of holds the key to how successful that team will be because, like you said, they're bringing in a lot of freshmen with the hype, but those freshmen don't have the experience. We don't know until they get to campus and start playing how, you know, how they'll actually perform at the college level. And, you know, I think Aikens, he was affected by that foot injury early on, came on really strong toward the end of the year, was, you know, a knockdown shooter from three. I think, you know, if he comes back next year, he's going to want to have the ball in his hands a little more. And, you know, that gets kind of uh, uh, kind of hard to figure out exactly how that's going to go with Tyson Walker coming back and the freshman coming in and, um, you know, everybody else who's returning. But I think, you know, I, I, I would trust Tom Izzo, who's one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time, and his staff to figure that all out, keep everybody happy, keep, you know, figure out the best rotation for them, get everybody t- their touches. And, uh, you know, if, if those guys do come back, that's, like I said, going to be a really strong team. And I think that you made a good point that it's going to have a great balance of youth and, you know, veteran experience. So I want to switch gears for a second, staying within college basketball, but kind of to a topic that has been on my mind a lot recently. And I know that I talked about it last week in the pod, but I want to talk about it a little more in depth with you. Um, So Hunter Dickinson, we found out he announced in the weirdest way possible with a weird video that he's transferring to Kansas. Um, And he released a statement that kind of was talking about his motivations to leave Michigan. We all know how their season went and how things are going for them over there. Um, But he talked a lot about how like the money that he was making was less than six figures and that's not kind of what he wanted. So he made the change. I don't want to say based off that, but that was a part of his decision. And that kind of got me thinking a lot about NIL deals and where athletes are at now in this process and using our own kind of football news is as an example of this with Keon Coleman kind of going and it's seemingly being that the money is part of his decision with this from what I've read. Who's to say? I don't know him, but that's just kind of speculation. I want to know your opinions, Ryan, on the way that NIL deals are working for athletes now. Um, And then I'll kind of give you some follow-up questions based off your answers. What are your opinions on that system and kind of how it's working as of right now? Well, I mean, it's interesting, right? I fully support that players should be able to make money off their name, image, and likeness, but it's kind of taken on this life of its own, right? Because there's no real guardrails as to NIL rules. Um, You know, when this stuff first came out, it was supposed to be, you know, you can't use NIL money to buy players or recruits, transfer players to come to your team. Um, And, you know, you can't use it in any way for like on court or on the field. Um, And, and really though, there's, the NCAA has not done anything to stop any of this. And that's why you're seeing Mm -hmm. these players who are demanding much money, these players who are transferring out because of money and, and, you know, 
quite frankly, other schools tampering with players on current rosters that, you know, is completely against the rules, but nobody's doing anything to stop because that is just kind of the landscape of what it is now. Um, you know, I, I, when NIL first came out, I always thought it'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Players can do commercials, can go to events, yeah. can do these kind of sponsorship things, make some money. Like, that's awesome. You know, make designs uh, like like Darius Snow does and, and clothing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what NIL was meant for. Um, and now it's become like an arms race in college football, right? And uh, so, and, and college basketball too. And it's very... You know, like I do not envy being a college coach in this landscape because how do you navigate through this? You have, you know, not only now are you having to recruit players from high school ranks and, you know, let them know about your NIL offerings every day. You're having to, to recruit your own players on your roster to keep them happy and to, you know, because you have other people coming in, um, you know, through back channels of other schools and saying like, you know, come here and we'll offer you this and, um that's just kind of what's going on. You know, there, there was an article in the athletic today about how group of five schools are just being picked apart because bigger, um, you know, bigger power five teams are picking apart these group of five teams, uh, rosters and, you know, offering them money and, you know, reaching out to them and poaching them basically. And, you know, that, that's very, there's already like a, a huge competitive disadvantage for these group of five schools. Right. So, you know, when you're taking their best players too, what are they supposed to do? And it's, it's a lot of, uh, like I said, like, you, you know, how do, how do you navigate through this as a coach, um, you know, as an athletic department, how do you keep everybody happy at once, especially, um, you know, on a football team where you have 85 scholarship players and not everybody's getting playing time too, but even, even your star players like Keon Coleman, you know, are, are, are transferring out to and you know whether that be for money or draft stock or whatever his reason may be there's always now this threat of that happening and um you know i know that people kind of get mad at tom Izzo's uh approach to the transfer portal and his thoughts on it but you know the, the one thing that i think he's right about with that line of thinking is that it's not always the best for everybody involved um these kids always think you know, who are entered the portal might think that the grass is greener on the other side. But, um, you know, I, I think I read on ESPN that there were like 32 or 3,300 uh, Division One FBS players who entered the portal since last August. And, um, you know, not all of those kids are going to find a landing spot. So then they just get stuck in the yeah. portal. And, you know, I think there was something like 8,000 between Division One, Two, II, and Three kids who, who are in the portal right now. And, you know, not all of those kids are going to end up somewhere. And so, you know, it's going to work out for, for a lot of them and it's not going to work out for all of them. But um, I think that those decisions should be based individually on what's best for them. Um, I don't have any issue with the transfer portal itself. I don't have any issue with the, um, the rule that, you know, you, you can transfer one time and have immediate playing time. I think that's great. Um, it's just that at some point, I do think there need to be more more guardrails related to NIL and especially tampering and, and things like that, because right now it's just kind of the Wild West. Yeah, I really liked what you said about coaches having to continuously recruit their own players on their team, like that are currently on their roster. And and I think that always has had to happen. You have to get guys to buy in to stay around. But I feel like 
as we have seen just very recently, like that is something new that maybe I didn't latch onto before, but it's very prevalent now. Like you really have to keep them around, not just by having them buy into your program, but then also offering them those deals that they're looking for that other guys are getting or else they'll go somewhere else. Okay, Ryan, I think you already touched on this a little bit in your answer there, but do you think this system of NIL deals and kind of the way that it's been working, like you said, kind of like the Wild West, do you think this is sustainable long term? Or do you think changes will have to be made to kind of put in place some more rules? I would hope that, you know, some changes are made, some some rules or guardrails are put in to kind of guide this. Um, I, I guess it's as sustainable as people are willing to let it happen, right? Um, a lot of schools have these collectives from very rich donors who are willing to put, put, put in uh, money um, toward NIL and recruiting and different things like that. And, you know, as long as there are people who are willing to do that, then, um, you know, I guess they can get away with it for however long it takes before rules are put into place. But with that said, you look at examples like Florida and Miami and stuff where a lot of times they're promising a lot of um, kids certain amount of money and, you know, they, they don't end up actually having it. And then, you know, these kids are asking to get out of their NILs or end up transferring anyway, because, you know, they, they were um, over-promised and under-delivered. So even, you know, with those collectives, and with money raised, like you're, it's still not always going to be sustainable. So, I mean, no, in the long term, I don't really see how much this can actually go on for. Um, but, you know, like I said, people will find ways to make it work. And, you know, it's kind of a kind of a mystery as to where the, this whole thing is going. And, um, you know, the whole landscape of college football with the transfer portal, with NIL, with all of that stuff is, is so different than even it was two or three years ago. And, um you know, before NIL became a thing and I think it was July, 2021. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to continue to evolve. Like I said, I support NIL. I support players being able to make money off of their name, image and likeness and stuff. But what I, you know, what I don't really like is the adults in the room from different programs and stuff, getting into these kids' heads and offering them all this money that, you know, like I said, they might overpromise and under deliver and, you know, poaching, players from other rosters, like there, there's got to be something um, done about that aspect of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that take. There's good and bad with it all, but I think it kind of needs to be leveled out. And I think that may naturally happen <clears throat> over the next couple years. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there should be maybe some more barriers set up for for the people that you said, the people that are maybe using the system in the way that it was not designed to be used. Okay, we can move on from this because I think I could talk about this all day and I'm not really sure what I'm saying, but you know, I wanna talk about recruiting updates because that's something you've been working on a lot as we touched on before. Um, you put out uh, with another member of our team, um, recruiting chops articles, uh, and now they all have nice, beautiful new um, thumbnail graphics. I don't know who made those, but they're great. Um, <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about recent news um, as far as recruiting goes. And then I want to get into some official visits that are coming up in June. Yeah, I mean, the, the official visits are the, the biggest thing coming up. Um, right now, the coaches are on the road. Um, 
for evaluation periods, which means they're traveling through the country pretty much. All of the assistant coaches are spread out across the country going to um, different high schools and, uh, you know, talking to these kids' coaches. They're able to to watch them work out and evaluate their tape and their, um, you know, their workouts, quarterback will throw, stuff like that. Um, they can't have much contact with the kids themselves, but, you know, uh, they're able to talk to the coaches, give out offers, um, talk to them on the phone through the coaches, stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of what's going on right now. So you're seeing a lot of offers going out um, and, you know, in the portal recently, Michigan State got two uh, transfer defensive backs with uh, um, Keon Stewart and uh, uh, Marion Smith, um, Smith from Cincinnati and Stewart from uh, TCU, you know, and, those were much needed additions because Michigan State secondary is very young. The defensive backfield um, doesn't have a lot of depth to it, doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, you know, and that's why getting Charles Brantley back from, from the transfer portal, you know, he entered his name and, uh, you know, right at the deadline of them, less than 48 hours, decided that, you know, Michigan State was a place that he wanted to stay. And, um, you know, like I said, there's going to be a lot of youth in that secondary. So even if guys like Smith and Stewart aren't starting for MSU, they're going to push those younger guys. They're probably going to be part of that playing rotation or make an impact on special teams or, um, or you know, ultimately start. And But either way, it's a good scenario for Michigan State, right? Because you either got these two guys with some experience coming in um, who are going to play a lot of reps or you have – these younger guys who are beating them out in practice and looking better and that, you know, and they can develop nicely. And, you know, I expect all those guys to kind of be in the, in the mix there. Um, you know, I talked to, to Stewart, uh, after he was, you know, after he committed to, uh, MSU last weekend. And, um, you know, he said that Michigan state didn't, you know, they didn't sugarcoat anything for him. They were straight up. Like, you know, you have an opportunity to come in, and and play here but you have to earn that playing time yourself you know nothing's guaranteed nothing's promised um you know and he's he really connected with with the staff he took a visit here um right you know i think he announced his commitment on saturday and he uh right before that you know he was on michigan state's campus on friday and i think left early saturday um you know he has two years of eligibility left um and, you know, Smith was a guy at Cincinnati who was getting some playing time more toward the end of his uh, his time there. And, you know, he's another guy who can come in and provide some experience. So I think those are two kind of uh, key guys to, to add. And like I said, at the very least, they're coming in to provide depth and competition. And at the very best, they're coming in to, uh, to add, you know, um, to be a starter, to, to make an impact on the defense. And, you know, obviously a lot has been said about what's about Michigan State's passing defense over the past couple of years, you know, it struggled. And so adding those kind of guys into the mix is only going to help things there. Um, you know, uh, and there, there were some losses for veteran guys in the defensive backfield with Xavier Henderson, Amir Speed, Ronald Williams. Um, you, you know, those kind of guys, you got other guys returning with experience. And like I said, you got guys like, um, you know, Malik Spencer and, and uh, Jaden Mangum and stuff who got, you know, some playing time as true freshmen. And, you know, our, we heard a lot of good things about this spring. Um, you know, they, they could end up being the starting safety duo back there. And, you know, other young guys like, like Dylan Tatum and um, 
Caleb Coley and players like that. So, you know, you, you mix those, those younger guys in with the two transfers with returning guys like, like Brantley, like Angelo Gross, like Chester Kimbrough, who has some experience. And, you know, overall, it's a very interesting mix. Um, you know, we'll see if MSU is able to, to improve there or if they, um, you know, are still going to struggle on that aspect. Um, and, you know, I know like another thing Stewart told me after he committed was he just felt a lot of love from the staff and he felt a connection to Michigan State. Um, you know, he's a Houston, Texas kid, I believe. So he, you know, is kind of looking for another home away from home. And he was playing playing behind some uh, like All-American, All-Conference type players at TCU and um, probably learned a lot from those guys. So I think he can come in and, and provide a lot of uh, – experience and knowledge to those younger guys. Yeah, definitely. I didn't put this question uh, on our little sheet here beforehand, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I apologize. What is your realistic opinion right now about how football season will go? Do you have one or what are your takes at least? I would say that, um, the, the theme that really stood out to me throughout the spring, going to the media availabilities, talking to the players, talking to the coaches, um, this team is very hungry, very disappointed in what happened with 2022. Uh, obviously, you know, there were the injuries and the suspension and stuff, but um, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of them point to it being a lack of execution, uh, maybe some com- complacency after the success of 2021. Like, that's something that I don't think is going to be an issue at all with this 2023 team. Um, you know, those, those guys are very motivated. And especially, too, when you saw Keon Coleman and Peyton Thorne enter the portal, a lot of the players, in, you know, later were very vocal on social media saying, like, you know, I think Noah Kim said, you're in good hands, Spartan Nation, and several other players were kind of hyping him up and, and hyping Keaton Hauser up and uh, hyping their team up overall. And, you know, they have this big chip on their shoulder. Um, and it kind of reminds me a lot of that team going into the 2021 season, um, you know, that had very low expectations uh, and then ended up having a really successful season. I think the depth has improved top to bottom. Um, you know, the starting positions, I don't know, you know, how many of those have been upgraded with, you know, with Coleman likely out wide receiver now becomes a question mark, but there's still a talented mix there um, with with Thorne out of the competition at quarterback. We don't know much about how Kim or, or Hauser are going to actually uh, perform. And, you know, obviously the play of the quarterback is what ultimately drives a lot of these success. And then, of course, the defense, which has really struggled, as I mentioned, over the past two years, they need to take some noticeable steps too. Um the offensive line, I think, will be much improved. They added Keyshawn Blackstock from, from the junior college rankings um, and a couple of true freshmen who aren't likely to play this year. But overall, they also bring back, I think, five guys who started at least two games last year. Um, and then the younger guys behind them who were on the team last year playing on the scout team and practicing, you know, they're all more experienced. Um, you know, I know that Coach Cap feels a lot better about the offensive line this year. They talked about it during the spring media um, availability session about, you know, last year during the spring, they had like seven offensive linemen available uh, because of all the injuries and stuff. Two of those were, were converted defensive linemen just to have bodies. And, you know, you said like something like this year is a breath of fresh air 
it wasn't during the spring because they had like two or three different units that they were able to get, uh, you know, all these different five man groups and keep everybody healthy, fresh. Everybody's getting more reps. Everybody's getting more experience. Um, you know, so, so a lot of the personnel on the offensive line is going to be many of the players we saw last year, but it seems like a lot of those players took a step up, um, from where they were last year. Um, you know, Nick St. Mack and, uh, JD Duplain both returned and, and they bring a lot of experience. So, you know, I, I do expect that to take a noticeable step and, you know, that should make the running game better too. You got two transfer running backs coming in um, with uh, Jaron Mangum and, and Nate Carter, along with Jalen Berger returning um, and a couple other guys back there. So, you know, overall, I think that um, this team needs to at least win six games, make a bowl game, get kind of back on that trajectory of success. I think, you know, six wins should be like the lowest goal that, um, but, you know, mm-hmm. I know within the program, they have a lot higher expectations than that. And like I said, they have a chip on their shoulder. They're ready to prove people wrong. Nobody's talking about them. Nobody thinks that they're going to do well. Um, but that is not the feeling within the building. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there, there might be some teams that they're going to shock and upset. And, but I also, you know, I don't think this is going to be a 2021 type team that goes 11 and two and wins a new year six bowl, I think, um, you know, it's going to be somewhere in between the 2021 and 2022 teams. Um, but you know, a team that'll make a bowl game that'll win its fair share of games, upset some people. Um, but you know, it also could be a team that drops a game that you don't expect it to. I think that there's a lot of mystery surrounding this team and how they're, they'll perform. Um, I think they're still looking to add a couple more people from the transfer portal. Um, add some talent there so we'll see ultimately where it goes but yeah I mean it, it's it's hard to judge right now but that's kind of my take on this team is that you know they're not um, buying into the idea that that um, you know they're defeated after these players transferred out or that you know they don't have these high expectations from from the national media but they do have high expectations for themselves and you know the standard is a standard is something that Mel Tucker always says and um, that's something that I think is really in a ring true with this group. So I don't really have a prediction right now in terms of win and loss totals, yeah. but that's kind of my take right now, if that all makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I feel like oh, the theme that I'm seeing overall is like positive, but maybe some realistic expectations. There's still some room for them to grow with personnel and kind of <clears throat> get the recruits in that they want right from the beginning and not always have to pull lots of different guys from the transfer portal, but I feel like um, what I've read and what you guys have all said from being at the spring game with Paul and Brendan last week, talking through that, and then now you being at the different media availabilities and stuff, there's definitely an air of, of positivity and that the guys realize that it's necessary that they have to um, perform better than last year. And I think they have kind of taken that in stride. So I'm excited about football season. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel after the end of last football season, Um, but I feel like they have made necessary strides and they're coming out with things that just give me a positive outlook of like, although this may be still a rebuild time, I think it's um, going to be more enjoyable than last season. So I agree with your takes. 
Yeah, I think that all the players, all the coaches, uh, you know, everybody involved, they're, they're ready to put the work in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how much that equates to wins and losses with their talent level on the roster versus the rest of the Big Ten. You know, they have a brutal right. schedule, too. And, um, you know, playing in the Big Ten East is, is never easy. This is, you know, supposedly the last year of, of those divisions. So we'll see how they do. And then, obviously, Washington's coming to East Lansing, too. Um, yep which is better than having to travel to Washington like last year, but still you know, <laughs> that that was like a top 10 team last year. That's returning a lot mm -hmm. of talent, was, you know, especially at the quarterback and wide receiver positions that tore up Michigan state last year with Michael Penix jr. And um, yeah. you know, with those receivers that they got. Oh, and they added Jeremy Bernard too. Uh, who transferred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <So> yep. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that that's going to be a tough game, but. MSU does have the advantage in that one of playing at home. So yeah, we'll see how More they so than schedule last go around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, we touched on it briefly at the beginning of this conversation. But talk to me a little bit about um, official visits that are coming up and some guys that maybe we should look out for their names a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So, um, the you know, official visits are going to start in June for Michigan State. Um, you know, that, that first weekend of June, they're hosting several guys. Um, Sayer Torrance is a, uh, a defensive back who just recently decommitted from Syracuse, which, um, you know, likely bodes well for the Spartans because right after he got the offer from Michigan State, he set up an official visit and decommitted from there. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, you know, regarding to if he's going to commit to Michigan State or not, but I think that they have a really good chance with him on his official visit to kind of, um, you know, get him to, to commit if that's what they want to do. And, um, you know, and if he wants to do it too, and then you got several other guys that weekend, like wide receiver, Jordan Ross, um, tight end, Eric Carner and, uh, defensive back athlete, Justin Denson. Um, Justin is a kid who I talk to a lot and he's gotten a lot of, uh, college attention lately. Um, you know, his offer list has exploded. Um, but I know that he's very high on, on Michigan state and they're very high on him. Um, He's kind of a defensive back with, with the skill set of a wide receiver. So he is very versatile and uh, yeah, he's got really good ball skills and coverage skills and he can kind of do whatever you want. You know, also Jalen Thompson is, is going to be there that weekend, Michigan state four-star DB commit. Um, he's in Jalen's another kid who I talk to quite often. Um, you know, I just recently saw him in Cincinnati at the rivals camp, um, you know, and, and He's a very talented player, so there are still a lot of programs out there who are trying to get him to come on official visits too and, and, and uh, trying to flip him, but he's really locked in with the Spartans right now. He, uh, you know, he, he's a great kid, a uh, really long and talented defensive back who is, you know, I think has all the makings of a really good cornerback at the college level, and I think he's going to be a really good get for Michigan State. Um, and then Mario Buford is another one, another cornerback who's visiting that weekend who uh, he's from down in Texas and he was at rivals camp Dallas last week. And he said, um, you know, Michigan state is a front runner in his recruitment right now. So he's another one to watch another really talented defensive back. Um, and there are several other, several others uh, visiting that weekend, like Rydarius Morgan and uh, a few more, um, Kenan Daniels is a running back who I believe is committed to Florida right now, but Michigan State's getting him for an official visit that weekend. Um, and, a, you know, a few other guys that weekend too. And then uh, the June 9th through June 11th weekend, uh, there are some pretty 
pretty big names that one uh that weekend dylan williams is a linebacker from california who uh you know he, he was he visited michigan state for the spring game i believe he's a four-star kid um really really good player um would be you know a significant linebacker recruit nathan royce visiting that weekend he's an offensive tackle uh he's playing plays his high school ball in wisconsin right now he's you know he's a really good tackle looking prospect um Jarvis Green is a, a kid from North Carolina. He was at the the Rivals camp in Atlanta. Um, Kevin Knight was down there talking to him. His tape, I get really excited about because he's like just super fast, like a playmaker. Um, would love to see Michigan State add him to the fold, but uh, you know, I know North Carolina. He's from North Carolina. They're in the mix in a lot of other schools, so uh, you know, he's got a lot of options, and you know, he's a really good player that kind of jumps off the tape to me. Jamari Howard's another Michigan State commit. He's going to be there that June 9th through June 11th weekend, he told me. Um, that's another another kid committed to Michigan State right now, Who, uh, but a lot of teams are, are after him, especially like his in-state schools, um, like Florida State and I think Miami and stuff. Um, so that that visit is going to be really important for Michigan State to kind of reaffirm his commitment. You know, he's still locked in with the Spartans right now, but uh, – you never know what could happen in the in this day and age. So, you know, getting him to campus and, and making sure that, you know, he's all set with everything, he's good with everything, that's going to be really important that weekend. Um, you know, a couple other guys coming that weekend too. Uh, then the June 23rd through June 25th weekend, you know, that's another big one of official visitors. The, the You know, the, the biggest name is probably Nick Marsh, um, four-star wide receiver formally committed to uh michigan state you know he's an in-state kid i talked to him in cincinnati too and i was really um you know not only impressed with how like his skills on the football field he was one of the most dominant players at that camp but just how honest um and mature he is and you know he, he was very candid with me about his decision to decommit from michigan state but at the same time he was also you know i thought it was, he was very genuine and honest that his interest is still very high in michigan state he's still in contact with them all the time um you know he just wanted to take advantage of seeing other schools seeing other places seeing what they had to offer making sure that he was in the best decision for him so maybe he committed a little too early so he you know didn't want to disrespect the coaching staff by taking these other visits and, and stuff like that and you know uh there, there are other schools who are very on him too, like Penn State and Auburn and some other ones that he's going to take official visits to. But Michigan State's getting the last official visit from him before he commits, I think, on July 7th. So that's pretty significant. Um, and, you know, it's it's rare when a kid decommits and then recommits and ultimately signs with that same school. So I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, you know, his mom is still very high on Michigan State, and he is too, um, but he's going to make the best decision for himself. So we'll see how that goes um also visiting that weekend are the uh the uh the new whiskey twins i don't know if i'm saying that correctly but uh you know they're two offensive tackles from ohio and um they're really good kids too i talked to them in cincinnati they come from like a really unique background they've only been playing football for like two years but they used to be in the circus riding unicycles and, and doing what? all kinds of other stuff yeah and then you know they, they grew up doing other sports like basketball and skiing and stuff, but football is, is new to them. Um, and, you know, offensive line coach, Coach Cap was a guy who identified their talent early. And what's big to them is that Michigan State really wants both of them 
in their program, not just one of them. And, and you know, that that's key to them. Those are two players who, you know, have potential off the charts. Cause like I said, they're still very new to football and, uh, you know, also that weekend you got wide receiver, Tremar Harris, um, running backs, Jason Brown and Anthony Carey, safety, Jason Cross. So, you know, pretty much every single one of those weekends, there's a lot, a lot of talent that Michigan State wants to add to the roster. Um, you know, you never know how many of those kids are going to end up committing or going elsewhere. A lot of those players have a lot of options, a lot of offers. Um, but these official visits are really important for ultimately, you know, getting kids to commit to you or, or putting yourself in position to get that later. So a lot going on. A question that I thought of when you were kind of listing those things out, when you talked about you know, the people that have committed, but you have to make sure that like other schools, you know, or other schools are still talking to them after they have already committed. Is that something that has always happened and I just haven't known that? Or is that something that's come with kind of this new era of the way that recruiting and stuff goes nowadays? Kids have always, um, you know, when you're verbally committed, it doesn't actually mean anything, right? You haven't signed anything. You're not locked into anything. So other schools, a lot, even before NIL and stuff have, um, you know, gone through and flipped other, you know, Michigan State's done Mm -hmm. it too. Noah Kim was one time committed to Virginia Tech uh, Mm -hmm. before he ultimately committed to Michigan State. Keon Coleman was committed to Kansas and then later Michigan State. Um, So, you know, a lot of the times I think some coaches, might ask, like, you know, I know you're committed here. Is it okay if we still recruit you, talk to you, or some may take a more aggressive approach? But, you know, I think it's definitely heightened now with NIL um, because now these programs can, you know, the coaches can't say directly, but people connected to the program and stuff can tell them, you know, we'll drop, you know, we're going to give you more money than this school is going to give you, um, you know, we'll give you this, that, and that, and promise you whatever. So it's definitely heightened, but, you know, recruiting kids who are committed, flipping kids who are committed. That's always been a thing. Okay. 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 So I feel like that was a really comprehensive rundown of kind of what's coming up in June. And I'm sure that you will be covering that on Spartans Illustrated and putting out tons of information as those, you know, weekend visit get, visits get going. So if you're interested in finding out more, check out Spartans Illustrated again for more of Ryan's coverage on that kind of recruiting path. Last question for you, Ryan. You've covered a lot of games. You and I have covered, I think, a couple games together at this point. But um, football and basketball, what are your favorite games ever that you've covered? Just to kind of round out our episode here. For football, I'd say it was the first game of the 2021 season at Northwestern, the Kenneth Walker game. Um, You know, going into that year, as we talked about earlier, Michigan State was coming off of a 2020 season where they won like two games. You know, it was a shortened season, um, but they were like two and five or whatever. So going into 2021, expectations were pretty low. At the time, it was still, you know, pretty COVID protocols. So there wasn't a lot of access to, um, you know, to, to practices and stuff like that. There was some, um, but, and, you know, there, there was chatter that Kenneth Walker was a good player. Um, you know, and that, you know, he was going to be the starter and whatever, but the very first play of that game, he took, took the ball 75 yards for a touchdown. And then he just 
dominated the rest of the game. He scored like four touchdowns or whatever it was. And that was just um, so incredible to watch because it was just, you know, the very beginning chapter of what was to come that season for Kenneth Walker. And, um, and that was also the first road game that I had ever covered, I believe, um, you know, in, in a different state. Mm-hmm. So that was just a fun trip too. And I really enjoyed yeah. Western's campus um, and, and checking out Chicago and Evanston. And, you know, I just, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a incredible game to watch, a fun trip in general. So that one's always memorable yeah. to me. Um, Definitely. Well, that one's very easy for me. It, it was the Marquette game and even the USC mm-hmm. game too in Columbus for the NCAA tournament. Cause this year was the first year I got to cover an NCAA tournament. Um, and I was, Glad that they, you know, got got placed in Columbus because it was a three-hour drive or whatever. And easy, yeah, yeah. And you know, I was courtside for both games, and that was just incredible view. Um, the energy in that building, the energy from Michigan State's bench, being that close to their bench, and hearing the different calls coming from the coaching staff and how things are communicated and things like that was just like a very eye-opening experience to how, you know, what actually happens during these games because you know a lot of the times during the regular season we're up on that that platform yeah not as close to the action not as close to the coaching staff or the bench um just to see how those players interacted with each other the energy that they brought the energy that the fans brought um and advancing through you know to the sweet 16 winning both of those games against you know two very good teams um, especially a marquette team that was you know the the biggest champion and whatever and uh Mm -hmm. they were you know it was just really an an incredible experience that you know i'm always going to cherish as um being there and being able to see that and witness that and see you know and after that marquette game just like the pure joy on like you know madi sissoko and and malik hall and some of the other Mm -hmm. players right up to where i was sitting until kind of like um you know interact with the crowd and and everybody getting loud and the you know the crowd chanting joey hauser's name after everything he did as a player um that was you know just really cool moment really cool experience so yeah well both of those moments i mean you have worked very hard to get our site and you know even when we worked for the only colors before to a level that we could be respected enough to go to those games and get passes and stuff and so it's only right that you get to experience some of those kind of um once in a lifetime things because you have worked so hard. So super good picks. Um, Yeah, I can't imagine watching Kenneth Walker just like run the ball down like that. I imagine everyone in the box was like, like, blown away. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to hear like, what Solari and uh, all of those guys had to say in that moment. Uh, A lot of I think a lot of the commentary was well, that's one way to start a game. Right, right. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Ryan. I appreciate your time always. Um, I will not be on next week, going on a little vacation. So there won't be any Red Cedar Radar next week, but then I'll be back the following week and I have some exciting stuff planned for the future. So not next week, but I'll be back soon. Thanks again, Ryan. And if you haven't already subscribed to Red Cedar Radar, um, Follow us on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much. Bye.